As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, the Athletics' Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Welcome to the Football GM Podcast for this final week of the 2020 NFL regular season. Looks like we're going to make it with all of the games played, unless something crazy happens during the postseason. That is a victory unto itself. I am Mike Sando, Senior Writer from The Athletic, here with the GM, Randy Mueller. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Mike. I think we ought to start by thanking our listeners that have hung with us here for, what, 16, 17 weeks so far. Yeah, and we, yeah. Bless them. And we got a bunch them. of new ones, too. So uh, welcome, everybody, really, in the truest sense of the word. Uh, great topics today. I mean, certainly we're going to uh, – Randy, I promise not to throw a phone at you um, today. <laughs> it's kind of cool seeing what a phone looks like again. You know, I don't. I, we don't have the landline in the house anymore. Don't have one of those phones. But I suppose if I had one throwing it, would be a pretty good option of all the things I could throw. So maybe I need to get one of those like Bill Belichick. We will talk about Patriots, Bills, and not just Buffalo Bills, but Bill Bill, <laughs> the real Bill, uh, Bill Belichick. We got some incredible Rams, Cardinals, quarterback issues. Can you name who might start a quarterback for those teams with a lot on the line? I mean, a lot for right. not just those teams, but uh, Chicago's affected, a, a lot of people affected. We'll talk a little bit about Dwayne Haskins' release, not his throwing release, but his release from – the Washington football team after 607 days uh, with the club. We're going to talk a little bit about coaches who fix their side of the ball, Pete Carroll, and maybe or maybe not Mike Zimmer. We've got our Week 17 picks, a good Ask the GM that will follow up on uh, a hot topic this week with Urban Meyer maybe dipping his toes in the NFL water. Randy will have some great insights there. I wrote a column on Monday on the topic, so we have a lot we can go with there. Let's start off, Randy, kind of with the Monday night game just a routine buffalo bills 38-9 victory to com- to complete the sweep of the new england patriots loved what sean mcdermott said afterwards by the way did you see that just being a pro right he said you know you can play that underdog card thing but there's a certain point when if you are good you just have to act like you're good and i thought they uh, you know they acted like they were good last night let's let's get into this because it's more than just about the score, but I mean, just where these teams are and the coaching element of it and Bill Belichick just looking not like Bill Belichick. 
Right. It was definitely a role reversal from what we've seen in the last 20 years. That's for sure. I, I think most would not argue that the torch has been passed. That's for sure. Um, I don't think there's any doubt who the better team was. I thought it showed from start to finish the poise by which Sean McDermott has those guys playing confidence, all the things that we used to throw on Bill Belichick in the Patriots. Now we, you know, can kind of address the bills in the same way. To me, it was just a sharp contrast because the best player on the field was the quarterback, only it was on the other team. <laughs> in <laughs> fact, you could probably go as far as to say the best four or five players on the field were all on the Bills team. When you talk about Diggs, when you talk about you know Edmonds on defense and White on defense and all the guys that they can throw at you, I mean, the, the, the Bills have, have not only pulled even with the Pats, they've, they've went by them in all of the areas that the Patriots exceeded or, or, you know, lapped the rest of the league for the last 20 years. It was just, it, it yeah. was a monumental game for that reason. Forget the score. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we could see, I mean, heck, I, I think I picked Buffalo to win the division this year with Brady being gone and the, the mm-hmm. opt outs for the Patriots. It wasn't a big stretch to say that the Patriots were going to be as good, but I thought there was a couple sequences in the game that were telling to me. And, and one of them was, that on that fake punt, you know, you saw sort yeah. of the Patriots showed a, you know, a, a 10 man sort of rush, like they're going to overpower you. And boom, McDermott, right. those guys had the answer. They, they do a fake. They kind of embarrass them, you know, to complete right. the pass out there from the up back. And then they even, you know, Josh Allen is not Aaron Rodgers out there yet uh, as far as, you know, getting people off sides and running tempo. But they had within a couple of plays of that. They went quickly, got New England offsides, j- sprung Josh Allen for a big run. It was like they were playing all the advantages, you know, playing right. all the margins and coming out ahead. Then well, we talked about throwing the phone. Uh, Belichick, I, I assume that phone goes to Ernie Adams. Remember, we used to hear a lot about Ernie Adams and how they were this team that was actually doing what we now call analytics, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, they were been uh, smarter than everybody, that's for sure, the last yeah. 20 years. Yeah, yeah but he – Belichick makes a, a challenge that, like, you couldn't figure out why he was challenging it. There was, right. I guess he didn't get to see it or something, but he was right. so ticked off. It was embarrassing to miss on the challenge like that. They don't do that, I don't think, that often. He right. throws the phone. I right. mean. Hey, the, the line of communication has been an issue with the Pats all year long, whether it's setting the edge our defense or playing certain coverages and communicating in the back end or the quarterback not knowing you know, coverages and how to sort that out for the most part. But to see the head coach have a lack of communication with somebody upstairs is fitting, right? I mean, that's that's really the 2020 Patriots. It's It's been a struggle for them. I think some of us that have been around a while kind of grin a little bit because that's the way the rest of us have lived on most <laughs> Sundays. You know, we had some hardship. But, you know, I guess the biggest thing is they no longer have the greatest player in the game to sort everything out for him and make it all good. You know, he was a license to, to, for mistakes to be covered for a long, long time. They don't have that now. So it's, it's, hey, welcome to the real NFL, Bill, and the whole crew for that matter. During the game, I did check the uh, weather in Tampa. It's supposed to be 76 and sunny uh, today. It's yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice down there. I'm sure Brady's feeling pretty good. Probably got in 18, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Feeling pretty good, and they'll be going to the playoffs. I think he's got the franchise record for touchdown passes down there, and, and we'll see what they can they can pull out of it. But, man, put that, 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 that was ugly. That was weird. That was just sort of a – 
confirmation of what we'd seen this season of of New England and Buffalo. I think even to the next degree, Mike, because it, it, it was more of a referendum for me on where the Patriots are. Well, it was obviously a referendum on where the Bills are, but with regard to the Patriots, there were markers on uh, in every way that tell me that they're fixing to go through a total rebuild. I really think it's a total rebuild for the Patriots going forward. And they have not had a great history of drafting, of signing players. And yeah, their cap has some space for them to maneuver this next season, but they're also going to be evaluating quarterbacks. I don't think it's any secret. Cam Newton did not turn out to be the answer going forward. I don't think Stidham is. I think that was determined fairly early as well. And and so they've got a total rebuild on their hands. And is this one that Bill Belichick even wants to take on? How old is Bill? He's getting up there, right? So there, He is, yeah. And yeah, maybe it's a... Uh, a passing of the torch at some point there. Not saying he's he's not going to coach because he's given us indi- every indication he has. Yeah. But, you know, they've got Josh McDaniel sitting there, the coach in waiting, you know, might get interviewed elsewhere. Although the way that offense operated this year, I, I don't think that's going to look good on the resume. So I just see a total rebuild. Yeah. And, uh, They'll get, They'll get some yeah, guys back. They'll get some guys back. they will because of yeah. the opt-outs. I, I think we should but, start any yeah. discussion with these guys be, that, with the opt-outs because that eight guys, somewhat, yeah. you know, leaders on both sides of the ball, they didn't have those guys. So they'll definitely get better when those guys come back. Yeah, I think I think so too. If, if, right now, if you go to – I like to go to tankathon.com slash NFL. You can see the draft order. So there, it's a good – Tankathon? Are you Tank, serious? Yeah, yeah tankathon.com. That's a thing? Yeah, they have the NFL draft order always updated. So you know, right now, the New England will be at 14th uh, in the draft order. So it's not exactly top five, but you're at least somewhere in the mix. Hey, they've made a, a mastery of maneuvering in the draft and making the business decisions that have yeah. always allowed them to do more with less money. But yeah. I don't know that that's, you know, the, the, they still haven't picked the right players, especially yep. in the draft. They've had multiple picks in multiple rounds in multiple years. And I just don't see a lot to show for it. So so they've got some changing uh, of their own processing to, to do as well. Absolutely. And so the, the, they have to find their quarterback. They're maybe yeah. not next next Tom Brady, but they got to find who that is. And that's a for huge... The first time in 20 years. Yeah. First time in 20 years. And I want to talk to also today about two other teams that actually are in the playoff mix and might be trying to find their quarterbacks too. Even though they have their quarterbacks, they may not have them for week 17. This is pretty amazing. Rams and Cardinals, just to set it up, are playing in Week 17, and there's major playoff implications. Uh, The outcome of that game could help determine whether Chicago makes it to the postseason, certainly whether Arizona makes it to the postseason. The Rams also have a lot on the line. And yet the Rams, Jared Goff, has thumb surgery. He's out for this game, could return if they make the playoffs and, and advance. And then Kyler Murray had some sort of a leg injury at the time. didn't seem serious, but he's in some questions. So Goff is out. Kyler Murray, maybe he plays, maybe not. But to the average fan or even somebody covering the league, you couldn't name all the starting, but all the backup quarterbacks in the league. I mean, it would be hard to go through and name them all. Chris Strevler for Arizona (laughs) and John Wolford for the Rams. Randy, I know on Wolford, you actually have the file on him um, in your years of scouting. So you yep. can tell us a little bit about him. Who is he? I mean, let's start with that, with with him, just to get people up to speed, because you've scouted him. Well, John Wolford was a very productive quarterback at Wake Forest. He's just a little undersized. He came uh, to these guys via the AAF in the Arizona hotshots. So 
when I spent a little time uh, in the AAF, we played against John, uh, a, an RPO type guy, a play action guy, a guy that's going to have to do things on the move with half fields and rollouts and and a lot, uh, maybe even a poor man's Baker Mayfield, something like that you could expect. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, again, you're talking about a 5'10 guy who, who's going to be limited in the pocket as to making all the throws and, and uh, actually seeing what he's doing back there. So that's a struggle. I found that it's the philosophy some of these teams use on backup quarterbacks is all over the map. I mean, you got guys making minimum salary that, frankly – the Arizona guy who we'll talk about in a minute, I'd never even heard of his name. I'll be honest with you. And that's my job to know these guys. I've never heard of him. I had to go back and look when I heard this guy might play. Yeah. Um, and and then you have all the way to the other end of the spectrum, uh, somebody like John Gruden who paid Marcus Mariota, what, seven, eight, nine yeah. million dollars a year, something like that. So everybody's philosophy is all over the place. Now, it's usually dictated by your cap. Yep. I mean, Rams were tight. Yeah. The Rams were tight. And so that's where they're at. I, I go back to the prime days of the Indianapolis Colts, they were always tight as well. And Peyton Manning always had a minimum salary guy as his backup as well. So different philosophies, you know, different depending on how you set up and how you build your team. But these teams are playing, no doubt, the biggest game of their season, the biggest game. And they've got to find a way to win a game. It'll be interesting to see what these coaches come up with if these backups are exactly are on the field. So Wolford, you know, people have said about the Rams – you know, they've really diminished Jared Goff a lot, right? People yep. say about the Rams, hey, it's all Sean McVay. He's yep. whispering in his ears before the 15-second cutoff. He's telling him what the coverage is. J- Jared Goff is the ultimate system quarterback, and we know better than that because he can make some really good throws. Yep. I mean, it's yep. not like he's a completely limited passer. But that's the narrative, and I think there's some been some truth to that, right? And so is there any way that, you know, the Rams are – Lose some capabilities with a new quarterback in there, but can Sean McVay? Should we, if that's true, shouldn't Sean McVay be able to get more out of Wolford, plug him into the system, and maybe not be great because they haven't been great offensively anyway lately, but function, run their offense, or is that too much to ask? I think he has to change the system, Mike, to be honest with you. He's got to change it to fit what this kid can do a little bit. I, he's not going to be able to throw the ball downfield quite as much as, as Goff did. But I also think it's going to be fun to watch. He's going to expand the RPOs. He'll expand a little bit of the option plays with a quarterback keeping the ball. He's a very good ball handler. John Wolford is capable. Um, he's just going to run into some physically challenging things because everybody else is big and strong and faster. So can he put, put together a game plan to win one game? Yes, probably can. I think it's a lesser version of Taysom Hill, you know, you're going to have to change what you do. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously Sean McVay's is, is a guy that you you would pick to do this because he's proved this year for the most part that he can come up with a game plan, no matter what it takes to win a particular game. He's going to be taxed this week. It, do you think, sure. I wonder if McVay is sitting there. I mean, he'd love to, he'd rather have the starting quarterback, but I mean, right. he's been, he's been critical oh, yeah. of golf this year. I mean, yeah. I've just gotten the vibe watching them that, you know, all things equal, he he maybe wouldn't mind trying someone else, not John Wolford necessarily. But you know what I mean? It's just been yeah. a little bit of a weird I think season. in a normal game, yes. I don't know about week 17, <laughs> yeah. and this is, determines our fate. Careful I think what that's you wish little, for. Yeah. That might be a little egotistical to say this is my chance. We got yeah. it all figured out. You know, yeah. the mad scientist at work. I, uh, I don't know. That's going to be yeah. – the, the, the brights will be bright, yeah. and it will be the brightest John Wolford's ever played in front of, that's for sure. Yeah. Even though there's not a person in the stands. 
So Chris Strebler is a great one because there's a picture. He he actually won the Grey Cup with the yes. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, okay, in the CFL. And yep. so that, last night I was researching and I was I found this great front page of newspaper up there that showed him, you know, carrying the the Grey Cup. I guess he's wearing a fur coat with no shirt <laughs> under it. It's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah. But yeah. this guy. He had eight touchdown passes and 14 interceptions, okay, during the Great <laughs> Cup year. He had 12 rushing touchdowns, 700 yards rushing. Tough guy. I mean, he yeah, played through the playoffs. Down. He had a broken leg, something called a distal tibia fracture. It's, it's, yep. I think it's right there at the where the tibia meets the ankle and a high ankle sprain and played. That's tough. I mean, yeah. but maybe the downside <laughs> of that, Randy, is that maybe he's tough like a – like a defensive lineman, but is he does he play quarterback? <laughs> like what, yeah, no what do we got here? I mean, like I said earlier, I didn't know who this guy was when I heard his name and he was a possibility of play. So I had to reach out to my Winnipeg blue bombing contacts, right? Oh, and we all have had, them, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they uh, had nothing but good things to say about the kid. I'd like to say I saw this guy on tape, but like I say, I would know him if he kicked me in the butt. Um he is a big, strong, like you said, fullback linebacker looking dude who runs <laughs> over defensive backs. <laughs> Who, who 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 trucks people was the exact word that I got from the Winnipeg guys. You know, limited in the passing game, limited making throws downfield. But yeah. they credit him, obviously, like you mentioned, with the Grey Cup win. They said we wouldn't have won it without this guy, no doubt about it. But just a unique, different type of skill set that you, you, you don't see in the NFL especially. So, it, so- it, in this setup with – Cliff Kingsbury's offense, I don't I like I told you before, I don't I'd like to have been a fly on the wall when they decided this is a skill set we want as our backup quarterback. That that was a little odd. They've had some bizarre ones there. Remember when Logan Thomas was drafted yeah, as the yeah. as you know, and he's playing tight end in the league now and was sort of like, okay, what is was it what is Arians trying to do? Well, Bruce is gone. Now you have Kingsbury. Kimes, Steve Kimes has been the GM the whole time. I'd love to yeah. Here, uh, you know, what's the thought process on this guy? I suppose you could have a very specific game plan in a one-week basis. Yes. No one signed this guy thinking, hey, if we had to go half the year, right, right or if we had to go 10 weeks, we're not going with Chris Strebler. But maybe in a one-game situation, are you going to – I don't know. I mean, they 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 paid the guy too. The, the word was they paid him hundred grand, So they identified him and went after him and got him. And so they definitely, we would think, had to have a plan in place, like you said, to put in some kind of a package. Maybe it's just so one-off that, you know, hey, let's let's throw out Army's offense this series and see what he can do, or Navy or whatever. But that's that's kind of the skill set. I don't know. Did Kingsbury ever have anyone like this? I mean, or well, the the, the best description I, I was given was Tim Tebow. You know, in, in in obviously you can't throw like Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow won the Heisman Trophy, but the same type of skill set that Tim had uh, in that probably a better runner, better decision maker, has some dynamic leadership ability. But I, I've never seen yeah. Cliff Kingsbury with a package like this or even the, the want to have one. So it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We actually could have another um, backup starting with playoff implications, you know, at stake here for Washington, right? I mean, yeah. Washington in their biggest have, game of the year too. Yeah. Their biggest game of the year. Certainly hoping that Alex Smith can make it. Uh, but I want to get get into them a little bit because Dwayne Haskins' release this week was big news. And you know, when you when you think about quarterback disappointments, not just for not playing well, but just sort of like the whole thing, right? There's sort mm-hmm. of a ethos or an ethic about the position, playing the position that is about more than it's about being first at the meetings, right? It's being, it's about knowing the offense better than everybody else. It's about knowing where everyone's supposed to be. There's a kind of a global job description with being a quarterback, right? That's why they make more money. I mean, they're, they're the guys you can count on to do the little things, right? Right. So Ryan Leaf made it a thousand forty seven days. Okay, um, with the Chargers <laughs> before he was let go. Jamarcus Russell, I think, was sort of another one where it just didn't compute. He made it 1,104 days, okay? Yep. Dwayne Haskins, 607 days. I mean, that is... Half as long. It's a year earlier than you see this happening, right? I mean, sometimes you make a mistake, and maybe that's better than sticking with a bad guy for... Uh, sticking with a guy for two extra years when he's never going to get there anyway. But this, right. this was a different situation than... Almost any I can remember for this quickly. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely different. And some of it is as simple as timing, right? I mean, I'm not saying that what he did doesn't, you know, damage one to play the position that you mentioned with the characteristics we all look for. But here's a a, a new coach that didn't draft him in the middle of a culture change that permeated the whole organization. So it's almost like everybody is on double secret probation to start with, you know? Yep. Um, so Ron Rivera, he's going to say, okay, let's give him a little bit of a chance. This is really strike three for him in this short season this year already. We said it last week when we talked about e- evaluating some of these quarterbacks, leadership and intangibles matter. When you look at film on, on Haskins, he can make all the throws. He's a big, strong kid. The ball comes out good. You know, he looks like an NFL quarterback and he looks like a skill set. You'd say, Hey, I, I want this guy. I'm sure uh, Urban Meyer and, and the Ohio State guys, you know, they all stamp this guy as, as, yep, yep, yep. I'd be interested to hear what they say now. Um, but yeah, the, the work ethic has reared its head. You know, he just the total immaturity that he, he, he showed in his, Whatever it is you said, 600-some days, you know, just keeps coming back. He, he can't take a step forward because he takes two back. So I feel almost bad for the kid. I do think at some point, and hey, we're all like this. We all mature at a different 
age, right? I I'm do still think at some point mature. when yeah. he does mature, he might be worth having around. I don't know if it'll be soon enough to take advantage of the skills that he has, but it's an interesting dynamic, and, and I totally understand what Rivera's doing. In fact, I don't think they had any choice but to release the kid at this point. But when you think about it, they're playing the biggest game of their season, determines if they go to the playoffs or not, and they determined that they did not want this kid around in any shape or form at all. And, and that's yeah. a pretty hard lesson for, one, uh, the coach to draw the conclusion to and then the player to accept. Yeah, they, and they know he's not going to be in the future. And, look, it's not going to work there. And I think you're right with the culture thing. They just felt like they had to draw a little bit of a line in the sand. And mm-hmm. But no one says that Dwayne Haskins is like a bad guy or, you know, he's not oh. doing things that where he's going to – be end up in jail or anything like right. that, uh, which is so weird about this because maturity, you would think people could, could wait for, but it's almost like a immaturity bordering on cluelessness, right? Like they, like they don't, yeah. he doesn't even know where it's to begin. Naivety. It's naivety. Yeah. He's just so naive. He's immature. It's a bad combination. Yeah, but it's just so odd that you couldn't somehow injure reserve or you know what I mean? Or something yeah. to where you could retain the rights and get an off season where you can actually be together, Right. I mean, an off-season where we can be face-to-face, hopefully that's coming in the next five or six uh, years, right, Randy? I mean, I'm I kidding, so. but hopefully this months, year. Yeah, yeah but, but you would think if you could get somebody of high character like Ron Rivera with somebody yeah. like Dwayne Haskins, who, like we said, he's not Robin Banks. He's not – you know what right. I mean? There's not yeah. like some imminent risk. He's doing immature right. stuff, which a million people his age do and older. Right. I would only say this, and these are the things we know about. Yeah. The things that have been public are obviously what we know about. My guess is there's even way more to it that we don't know about. The little yeah. things that happen around the building and have since Ron yep. got there. So there, no there's doubt. probably a litany of, of things that, again, we'll never know about. But that's that's yep. a, a assumption on my end. Maybe I shouldn't make that, but I just figured there's yeah, a lot of Yeah, but I don't think that you're happen. saying that ominously, Randy. You're not saying like he has a double life. We're just saying no. th- there's a lot of these things that compound themselves inside yes. the building. And, yes. and you get to a point, especially sometimes as an empowered coach, there's no GM there, yep. right? Yeah, uh, no where, where you say, all right, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And yeah. they may be right on this because I think it's, I think it's hard to – if your quarterback prospect is less mature than your fourth wide receiver, that's hard to try to bring along with everybody in the building, depending on it, right? Everyone's right. livelihood depending on this guy. So I get that. I understand that it's probably the right move for Washington, but it is also sort of like what happens when you have a coach who doesn't have a, someone to go through, really. He just... Well, that, yeah, that that's part yeah. of it for sure. I do think you hit it on the head, though. You're talking about a lot of adult men and professionals that probably got together and said, hey, I do not want to hitch my wagon to this. Right. I'm not going to put Can't my family at stake. I'm not going to put your family at stake. This is not what's going to lead us off a cliff. And they just said enough's enough. Yep. we got to move on. It's just I get unfortunate. You. Yeah. Yep. And, and then this is over. And like you said, it's almost like you're, you're cutting ties from this past that had to be left behind anyway. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. Organizationally. I don't know if getting rid of Dwayne Haskins solves the uh, problems for the uh, Washington football team. Certainly gets one of them out of off of Ron Rivera's plate as he tries to get this team to the playoffs and probably has a great chance of doing so with the state of the NFC East. There's a couple other teams I think I want to talk about in terms about, you know, the ability to fix issues during a season. And, and one of them has been Seattle. I mean, I think 
And I've seen this before with Pete Carroll, like even when their offense was broken halfway through a season, by the end of the year, he seems to get whatever the issue is kind of back on track. And right. sometimes it takes longer than the fans would want, you know, but and he doesn't always intervene as early as maybe uh, you would like. But by the end, the Seattle Seahawks are playing decent defense. Their pass rush has been okay. Now they've played some easier teams, but I think that is a good example of a team with a with a coach who going into the playoffs maybe has been able to fix the one thing that was absolutely going to hold him back. And really what got me thinking on this topic, Randy, was watching Minnesota give up 50 points, you know, to New Orleans. Granted, they're playing New Orleans. It wasn't like they were playing the Jets or something, but that was a non-competitive effort by a team led by a defensive-minded coach who made it very clear to everybody he's never had a bad defense. And he's got a really bad defense. So the contrast between those two was kind of interesting for me, and I know you too, going into the playoffs. What do you think is at the heart of this, and what sort of stands out to you? Well, I think for one thing, uh, I don't think Pete Carroll gets enough credit. I'll be honest with you. And some of it may be his, you know, uh, just his demeanor and his zippity-doo-dah personality (laughs) and, you know, all the other things that come with it, the, the cheering on the sidelines and and just the way he is, I don't think he. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a really good coach. And and we know when you're a head coach in this league, you've got to become the fixer, right? You got to fix things. And when the issues lie on the side of the ball, which happens to be your expertise, that really puts pressure on the coach to fix. And I think he's done that really year in and year out with whatever issues that have come up in Seattle. He has found a way to fix things, whether it's uh, you know who, who knows how he's done it. But I think we just got to stop and give him credit. The guy's a great coach, probably going to the Hall of Fame someday, and people are just going to have to accept that. And uh, I think this was another example of that. This defense was shambles early on. We even talked about on the podcast, there's no way this team can go on and make a Super Bowl run with playing like they are. Now, I'm not giving him all the credit because I'm sure Ken Norton Jr. had something to do with it, but this is Pete Carroll's team, and it's his defense, and nothing's going to happen out there that doesn't really represent his likeness. So I think we got to give him credit. And, and again, another example of, of – just coaches making adjustments in the second half of the season and earning their keep. I think he's done that. With regard to Mike Zimmer, I felt like his comments after the game, and like you said, they gave up 50, and it's hard to give up 50 points in the NFL. It's hard to score 50 points. I don't care if you're playing yep. the Saints or the Jaguars. It's The other teams are good. And so I, I felt like his answers to – to this, like you said, we're a little bit of a cop out. You know, I've never had a defense this bad and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, they're missing a couple guys. Hunter, their pass rusher, hasn't played all year. And Robert Barr, I think is his name, the, the UCLA rusher, the outside linebacker. Um, he hasn't played all this year. So they're missing some things, but you'd expect a better effort from this team, especially right now. That looked like a team that had cashed it in. And I thought his comments, and again, I like Mike Zimmer. I think he's a good coach. But his comments felt to me like they came from a guy who just signed a long-term extension and it really didn't matter to him that much either. You know, he didn't have any, any, any real reasons for it other than just to say, this is not me. It's not my defense, you know. Yeah, right. And you, and you know, we'll give him that. Anthony Barr's out. I mean, Hunter, their pass Barr, yeah. out. Some, some of those things are, um, issues for them, but everybody's got that, um, yep, type of no stuff doubt. going on. Um, and what I didn't like was, uh, the I, I, I nature of it, my defense, I haven't mm-hmm. had. Just, just to me, that sets a tone. I mean, you, yeah, you, you know what I mean? This is a, this is such a wee game. And I think no that doubt. 
starts at the top, right? I mean, what great coaches are always talking about I, 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 and he said that repeatedly. I have never had a bad defense. Uh, it's a little thing, but it just makes me a little less forgiving in the analysis, I think. Okay, yeah. you want to say I, and it's on you, and it's your defense, and it reflects right. you? Okay, well, you just gave up 50 points. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep. Yeah, and that that was not competitive. And I was kind of thinking what, what that made me think of because we saw Detroit like that too. Now Detroit is a different situation because they didn't have their coaching staff at the last minute, and even Matt Stafford left the game. Um, but I think that this COVID season has been is more of a grind than is even known or discussed. Uh, the daily testing. I've talked to people that aren't even players on teams who are like, "Hey, unless we're really in it and." You know, I'm looking forward to the end of the season because yeah. you can't even take a weekend to go away on your bye week because you got to go right. in and get tested every single day. And right. every, I think everyone is already dealing with this pandemic, and there's a stress felt element to that, right? With it. you don't have the interactions you normally have socially, all these things that that affect your quality of life. And I think there's a bunch of teams that when the season's over are going to take a huge sigh of relief and be glad there's not a game next week. And for some of these teams whether it was Minnesota or Detroit, you know, maybe we started to see that. On the whole, though, I must say I've been impressed. Jets have kept swinging and playing hard. Some of these teams that are out of it have actually been representative. And I think in this year, you give them a little bit of credit for that. Well, these seasons are long under normal circumstances. 17 weeks is a long time. But with the COVID fatigue, like you mentioned, I mean, I, I can only imagine how the burden has has increased every week. And I'll, I'll say this, I, I, week 17, I would not want to be a better. I wouldn't want to bet on games in week 17 because I'm not sure what you'll get. I think sometimes there's players that have their car packed before the weekend. My Things guess is there's, yeah. a, there, there's a lot of those this week that have their cars packed. And it's not that really challenge the integrity of the game, but it's it's kind of easier to see why they're doing what they are doing and, and maybe how the efforts do dwindle. But then you have a guy like JJ Watt come out and give a speech like he did. Then it makes you say, Hey, we got four or five more games. Let's go. You know, he had me fired up. Ready oh, to go. I, I was just thinking of him. I'm glad you said that. Cause I'm thinking, you know, th- those cars were idling in the parking lot and he went out there and took out the keys. Yeah, he, he stole went. the keys, you're right, from a bunch of places. In fact, he might not have had to. He said it with such passion that those players that had a pack might have went and did it themselves. You know, just said, I'm going to have about face. I got to punch the clock here for another seven days. I yeah, thought that it, speech was awesome. It really was. You know, and we're going to get to our pick segment next. And I actually do have Houston and Tennessee on there for this week. I was kind of trying to look at these games and be like, which ones do you want to pick? You know, because it's hard to know yeah. how some of these teams are going to do. And and Randy, I feel I, this year on the as we do transition into our picks, you know, this year I have felt like, especially for a long time, I felt like we've done re- we've done great on these picks. Like I don't know if Vegas has been a little off or something. Uh, certainly early on, I think they underestimated the fact that the crowd noise would be gone and right. the road teams would do better. So for a while there, it was just easy to, you know, take the over because the offense is going to be better on the road or, or whatever. Uh, last week we got we got freaking slaughtered. I mean, uh, we <laughs> yeah, were looking we good. I think we we both took Indy against Pittsburgh, and we got two and a half points, and it was looking yeah. good the whole game, you know. And then yeah. it didn't look good. That's gambling, right? You, you gamble long enough. Not that we were gambling, but you try to pick against the spread long enough, it catches up to you. You're not gonna. Right. That's why there's. That's why on late night TV there used to be guys selling their gambling plans because <laughs> yeah. if they could actually do it and beat the system, 
Yeah. They would be doing it themselves, right? Right. So no then we both took the Rams and we took the two points yeah. against Seattle. And for a long time, it looked like, you know, it was a toss yeah. up. I think I thought the CX would win, but I, I would rather have the points. And then what did we do on Tennessee at Green Bay? We, uh, in my notes, I can't remember if I. If I thought I, we had Green Bay. At least I, I, I would yeah. like to think we did. But, well, nobody you know. go back and listen. So that yeah. was a t- that was a, it was a tough week either way last week. Yes. This week, I got a couple games down that are of interest. Green Bay at Chicago, Packers by five and a half, and mm-hmm. Chicago's been playing better offensively. But I think I have to roll with Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers. MVP. I think he's got the passer rating calculator in his head. It, it updates during the game, and he knows exactly where he's at. Yep. You with me? Yeah, I am. Nobody's playing better. I don't. I mean, I think you're right. He's he's locked up the MVP race, in my opinion. And their defense, I don't think, gets enough credit. Their defense has played good. I guess the only question is, what type of effort level are you going to get, and how how important is the game for Green Bay? Obviously, Chicago has to win to get in. So that's, you know, you're not going to... Well, number one seed. I mean, does does the number one seed enough of a carrot or not really? You're kind of shrugging, I can see, a little bit. Yeah, you know, I guess it would be if I was in Lambeau Field. You saw the other night what the number one seed could do to the opposition. So, you know, if that's the case, and and we have no way of knowing, but I'm with you. I'd give the points. I would pick Green Bay. I just think they have so many things going, and and they are the better team for sure. It was funny. Yesterday, uh, I was watching uh Trubisky video with a coach on a zoom type of a thing. And we were trying to say, Hey, is Trubisky playing better? This and that. We just watched a bunch of third downs and it was clear early. <laughs> it wasn't very impressive <laughs> what they're right. doing. I mean, they've gotten a running game going. They've actually, Matt Nagy has done some fixing probably <laughs> yes. that we didn't think he could do. So they, they've done a better job, but I know you haven't changed your opinion on Trubisky and what they should do. Correct. Let's just get that on the record going into week 17. Well, I have more faith in Trubisky than I did, with the coaches and the plan they were all out there and the evaluations that the front office did to make, to build the team. So you can, you can say what you want. I don't love the bears in any way or fashion, but I think Trubisky might, uh, you know, be the lesser of those three problems at this point. Interesting. Okay. So, so you, would you consider in any way uh, him being part of the plan in Chicago next year? Um, I guess it depends on the number. Yeah. You obviously have to have options. I don't think they have any other options. And I, and I guess, it depends on. Can you tell me who the coach is going to be? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so I think there's still some things that have to be decided. If they lose this game and don't make the playoffs, I still think Chicago, the whole, you know, may get out the brooms and figure out a way to change course. I don't know that. If you're a Bears fan, are you wearing a Packer jersey this weekend? <laughs> for that reason, yeah, it, it's a good news, bad news day for you. That's for sure. You, yeah. You're in the playoffs, but you may sign up for yeah. a couple more years of Mitch Trubisky and, and Nagy. So I don't know. Yep. Okay, our last one here. Tennessee's a seven and a half point favorite at Houston. They played a whale of a game earlier in the year. Remember, it was yep. it was uh, you know I don't know if it was thirty two twenty nine or some type of game like that with controversial coaching decisions going for two. It was wild, and uh, it feels like obviously Tennessee has you know more going here and more reason to to, to play well. JJ Watt calls out Houston. You willing to ride with Titans and take seven and a half? Yep, I've got to. I'm taking Tennessee for sure. I, I mean, I love what JJ's done, but I think th- that. Oh, well, you'll is give it. the seven and a half. Yeah, I'm giving the points. Uh, I just think Tennessee again has more on the line, more reasons to play. Um, 
I guess the scary part about Houston is sometimes when you're out of it, you play, you play like you're out of it and you can throw caution to the wind. But I think in this case, Tennessee comes out and uh, establishes that running game. And, and I've said for the last few weeks, playing defense is hard coming down the stretch. It's really hard for teams that are out of it. So I think Tennessee will find a way to run the ball and probably run it down Houston's throat and control the clock. And I don't even know if Sean Watson's going to play. So I don't have any problem giving the points. I'm with Tennessee. Absolutely. I'm with you there, too. And just stacking it right here, the Texans have covered 33% of the time this year. That is tied with the Eagles mm. and Cowboys for the lowest uh, in the league, which means that, you know, that that just means Vegas or the public uh, had higher expectations for the <laughs> that right. were not no met for them. Yep. It's time for Ask the GM. Last segment here, Randy, Ask the GM. Good one here. Urban Meyer's name has come up as an NFL head coaching candidate. What's your take on Urban Meyer? Would love to hear this, Randy, with your years of experience and your experience in hiring, your experience at the college ranks. You've been around college coaches that were great in the NFL. You know about Urban Meyer. What, what's what do you what do you got? Well, I, I think specifically talking about Urban Meyer. Obviously, he is a gritty, gritty, accomplished coach at the collegiate level. Um, I think it, it is about fit, and there, there might be a certain franchise or two that fit him better than most. But having said that, his candidacy at the NFL level, I think, would be championed by ownership. I don't think it would be championed by scouts or personnel people, just based on how they've been treated over the years when you go into Ohio State. It's a struggle. It's a hard visit for NFL people to go into. You're really always not comfortable around the program, the building. So I don't see general managers or personnel people lining up um, for more of that. So I do think ownership sees the bells and whistles, sees the productivity, and you can't you can't really discount it. I mean, he he's done what he's done, but he's also done it with better players than everybody he plays. So, so much of college recruiting, college coaching, and we talked about it, is about recruiting. Recruiting has nothing to do with the NFL. You don't recruit players. We don't get to go, you know, have recruit five or six first round picks every year. Nick Saban and I used to always discuss this and in, in, we'd say it tongue in cheek. We only get one first round pick. And so, you know, when he goes to Alabama, he can recruit five or six every year. Therefore, your margin for error goes up. You don't have any margin for error in the pros. So there is some disconnects uh, with regard to just Urban's personality. Would he get along? You know, there's so many things that have to happen in the NFL decision making wise. Sometimes people are wired to have to make every decision themselves. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it's impossible to do at the NFL level. You cannot see every player. You can't be involved in every contract negotiation. You can't be involved in all these intricate details enough to where you, you're knowledgeable enough, especially when you've never been in the NFL for a day. It's just hard to catch up. So therefore, you have to trust others to do their job. And it's, it's a struggle sometimes for these college coaches. And in this case, Urban, I think it's going to be a struggle for him to trust others. That just doesn't seem like it comes with with that, with hiring Urban Meyer. Absolutely, that's great. You, know, you mentioned the ownership thing, and I, you know, I have kind of heard uh, through the you know grapevine a little bit that that you know maybe he does have some kind of relationship with uh, Shad Khan there. And uh, oh yeah, doesn't surprise you me. Know, in Jacksonville, which is only what an hour's drive or so yeah. from Gainesville, where he had oh, a no. nice run, um, and that would be the type of that would be the exact impetus for hiring someone like Urban Meyer, an owner. 
Yep. Uh, an, an owner, an owner who, of a team. Yeah, champion it. Yep. Who's going to, an owner who's, and from Urban's perspective, shoot, Trevor Lawrence is coming out. I mean, yeah, no doubt. I, I'm sure Urban Meyer has a pretty good eye for talent, right? Because he's been recruiting and a good eye for quarterbacks, or you, you, you don't think so? We'll see. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe anybody can look at Trevor Lawrence and say, I want that. Well, <laughs> I think you probably can. But anyway, it's a good place to start. I mean, yeah. you're talking about no boss other than the owner. I'm sure that's a prerequisite. I don't think Urban Meyer is really going to work for a general manager. That's just not in the cards. So that and the fact that we can start this process with a legitimate franchise quarterback, I mean, that, that doesn't happen very often. No, I'm with you on that one. So uh, do you have any sort of a sense of – I mean, he's going to coach again somewhere, right? I mean, he's not – He's too, is he too young to never coach again? Or do you think he's – is there any way people were asking me this yesterday? Do you, what do you think? You think he's going to do it? And I sort of feel like we don't have enough information to know if how serious this is. Is this just yeah. some sort of you like to hear your name out there? Uh, maybe right. we don't know that. But um, the things that would w- worry me a little bit about Urban are, you know, he's left a couple jobs, and some there's always a little bit of a health concern kind of lurking in the background. Remember that happened at Florida. Yep. You know, and, and the other thing is, when the going gets tough, or when the media starts to criticize, it seems like he has a little pushback from that as well. A place like Jacksonville, that's a small media market, and probably one that he's more used to, like a college media market where the coach can be the star, might be a good fit for him. Just like yeah. you said, because of all the reasons. You know, the NFL generally is not a coach's league. Star coaches don't, you know run the day. It's the players. The players run the day. And sometimes that's a struggle too when college guys come and and, and really the 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 media, the the city, they they don't necessarily pay to see the coach. They want to see the players. It's a players league. I just don't know. It, it's about the right fit if Urban Meyer does decide to think uh, of, uh, yeah. venture in. Think of that place too where Jalen Ramsey basically said, "No, I'm not I'm out." You know, yep. what what's Urban Meyer going to do? Besides yeah. get rid of them, you know, that sort of thing. So the ability to work with people, it's not just having power over everybody, right? No. I mean, you have to work with people, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be a fun one, I think, to monitor as all these coaching ones are. I'm sure by next week we'll have uh, additional openings in the league to discuss, and we'll do that right here on the Football yeah. GM podcast. I want to thank everybody for uh, a great calendar year uh, of doing this. We, we've been doing it a few months now. I know I've enjoyed it. Mike Sandoz, senior writer from The Athletic. Uh, Randy, you have been wonderful on this through this season, and I know so many fans have enjoyed uh, your insights, and we're going to continue this next week. We'll see what the playoffs bring. Everybody, you can find Randy on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You can find me there at Sando NFL. Thank you, and until next time, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody.